You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and SJ Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Peer Pleasure with Dewey Halpus on Jabberjaw Media. I am Dewey, your host with the most, bringing you more great content week after week. And this week, we have another a Grammy nominee. Um, unfortunately, they didn't win the Grammy this year. Uh, I believe it went to Chris Cornell. Uh, but Mr. Jason Butler from the Fever 333 from Let Live. This guy is amazing, guys. I've been a fan for a long time of Let Live. Uh, we talk about it on the episode the first time I saw them play uh, at a club I was working the door at and actually left my post to go check them out because I thought they were great. Um, this interview, uh, I I absolutely loved it. Uh, big shout out to Johnny Minardi for hooking me up with Ross uh, to get me in touch with the band. Um, this interview was actually supposed to take place two different times. Um, it's kind of a funny story. Not well. <laughs> it's not a funny story, but uh, we had it set up the first time, and about half hour before the interview, uh, I got a cancellation email because uh, Jason's wife had gotten really sick. So we rescheduled right before that one happened. My son got sick and had to cancel that one. And then this last time when the interview was supposed to happen. So sometimes with artists, um, you get a call. Uh, sometimes you just you know call uh, and set up the interview, um, call them on their cell phone and, and do the interview, which a lot of these episodes are. 
Um, and sometimes you get a call from management saying, hey, I'm here to connect you with so-and-so. And then they beep you through. That way they don't give out their information and things like that. So the first time we had this set up, it was going to be just me calling Jason. And uh, some time had gone past uh, before we rescheduled. And so I got a call from management saying, hey, uh, the last interview is going a little long. Can we get some more time? So I said, sure. So I was recording mobily and said, hey, how about 430 uh, that way I can drive to somewhere with better service and set up the interview. And that way I knew I'd be prepared. They're like, okay, cool, 4.30. So I'm driving, it's 4.17, I'm on the freeway and my phone rings and it's Jason ready to go with the interview. So I had to get off the freeway and pull into a neighborhood and he was very gracious. He, he understood what was going on. And uh, I let him know, you know, hey, hold on a second, I'm clicking around, clacking around. And... Uh, we got it all set up. I had everything on my my seat ready to go, and so we were able to connect and knock this one out. So we did start a little bit later than we were supposed to, so the interview is a little shorter than it would have been normally, uh, but I think it went really well, and I had a blast talking to Jason, and uh, what a cool dude, man. This band, The Fever 333, is really, I, I say it on the episode, but they're absolutely what this country needs right now, this world needs right now, is something with that much passion and a, a way of uniting everybody. They are very inclusive, very, I love how they call their shows demonstrations because it literally is. I mean, it's literally a performance art piece. He is an absolute maniac. Um, if you guys haven't heard them, check out the new record, uh, Strength in Numbers, Made in America. Before that, that's the one that was nominated for the Grammy. And the guy is just an absolute animal. The whole band is, they're, they're amazing. Um, so much energy and they were, they remind me a lot of the passion that Rage Against the Machine had to unite people and just watch a crowd just bounce like a giant blanket. I mean, it was just insane. Um, so really stoked on this band guys. Um, they're fantastic. I was super stoked to get him on the show and the conversation went really well. As I was saying, I just wanted to fill you guys in on the backstory cause it's a little funny and, and, uh, You'll kind of hear like he was getting home in the interview. His son was there and, and saw him coming in and he was trying to hold him off. And eventually I just said, dude, go be with your son. I understand how it is. And and uh, but I think we got some good stuff in there. Um, so I, I, once again, I appreciate you guys coming back week after week. I know there's been a couple weeks off and I'm glad to be back. And uh, with this banger of an episode, it's, it's awesome. It's such an inspiring conversation. So uh, I'm stoked for you guys to hear it. So uh, let's get some business out of the way and we'll jump in. So uh, purepleasurepodcast.com is the website. Uh, we got a new store up, the Etsy store with stickers, hats, t-shirts, all that good stuff. So check that out. Um, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, tell a friend. Rate and subscribe to the show, guys. It's a big deal uh, when we get those ratings coming in. We're trying to boost the ratings on the show and actually get more reviews. And uh, I love getting those open and honest reviews of the show. It really means a lot and it shows me that People are listening and, and paying attention, and it really helps us with chart position and everything else, which, you know, with this show, that's not my main driving force behind it. I just really love having these conversations, and uh, last week's, well, not last week, but the last episode with my buddy Aaron Edge, I've gotten so much amazing feedback from that show, and that conversation was three hours, and it was one of the most special conversations I've ever had with a dear friend of mine, and it's something we'll have forever. We were just talking last night about it. We got together, 
and just talking about how we wanted to keep that special and not do a bunch of other podcasts. He's not going to do a bunch of podcasts, um, you know, like we did because he wants that to be out there and he's getting a lot of feedback too. So uh, if you haven't checked that one out yet, I definitely recommend it, but it is long. So, um, you know, it's going to take a couple sits uh, to get through that, but um, it'll be well worth it. There's a lot of funny stuff on there, a lot of serious stuff on there goes all over the place like we always do if you guys have been with the show a while you understand how I work so um, I keep things really real and a lot of flow and you know it's just a conversation uh, between two people regardless of who they are and uh, just bringing out the stories so uh, definitely check us out on the socials follow us tell a friend rate review the show subscribe to the show tell a friend all that good stuff um, we've got a lot of good shows in store for you. I've got a few done already. Um, so those will be coming out in the next few weeks. We got a good one next week. Um, but without further ado, guys, let's get into this episode with my buddy Jason Butler from Fever man well uh jason butler from the fever 333 let live whole bunch of awesome stuff thanks for coming on the show man this is the pure pleasure podcast oh man thank, thank you for having me i appreciate you uh giving me your time dude absolutely i've been uh i've been keeping up on your stuff for quite a while now uh, my buddy johnny minardi uh put me in touch with ross at roadrunner um to get uh to have you on the show and uh I mean, I've loved, I, I remember seeing Let Live back in, I'm from Portland, Oregon, so it was probably, I want to say 2000, 
man, 2007, 2008, I was working at a club called Branks. I was working the door in between tours. Oh, wow. And uh, yes, you guys opened I, that show. Yes, yes I remember the, the brick building, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I totally remember that place. Yeah, that's crazy. It wasn't too far from Burnside. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Did you go skate? Yeah, I did. Yeah, that's crazy. Dude, I take my kids down there every Sunday uh, that my five-year-old is trying to learn to skateboard, and she's doing a pretty damn good job. Uh, but we go down before that's everyone awesome. shows up. Everyone's still passed out in the van out front. So, <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> yeah, man. And so I was working the door, and uh, Jeff King Banana is the promoter, and uh, I had heard, hadn't heard of any of the bands. And so – but the place I was at working the door, I mean, there's like two big openings and I was just off to the side. So I couldn't see what was going on. And you guys started and got through like one song. And I was like, I got to check this out. So I like abandoned my post and went over and started watching from the <laughs> bar. And, uh, it was awesome, man. It was so refreshing. Like it was just unique and original. And, and, uh, you guys just had this fire and ever since then, I've just followed everything because it's been just it's it's I love it. So I do definitely appreciate you coming on board and and uh, big thanks to Johnny Minardi and Ross and everybody. And uh, Taylor had called me a, a few minutes before four o'clock and I totally thought it was a telemarketer because it's from Texas. So I answered the phone. I was like, oh, Hello? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's like, yeah, this is Taylor. With, uh, oh, shit. OK. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dude. But uh awesome. Well thank you for coming on and, and uh I know you got a, a lot going on today, so I appreciate it. But um I wanted to I wanted to kind of get your story. I don't know a lot about you as a person. I know your music, I know your art, um, but I kinda wanted to jump back a bit and kind of talk about your journey. Well, you know, where you came from, um and kind of what inspired you to do what you're doing now. Um, you know, you came up in uh Anglewood, Anglewood California, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay, and what was what was childhood like for you? Did you? I mean, were you a, a popular kid? Were you a kind of an introvert? I mean, you're pretty outspoken on stage, which I love, but um, I assume maybe not the same in in day to day. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I mean, I've always kind of been a loudmouth, but uh, I think that growing up in Inglewood, you you're kind of forced to to grow up. Um, a little bit quicker than other places just by way of uh, trying to make sure that you stay, you stay safe and that you kind of have to kind of have your head on a swivel at times. And uh, I think that also because I was, I was living in Inglewood, but I went to school in a more affluent area on permit outside of Inglewood. I was quickly shown the disparity between demographics and I had a lot of questions as a youth and, I had a really big, I had a pretty hard time with my identity being, you know, being biracial and not really uh, sort of fitting into either one mold of, of being black or white. So, I mean, I, I had no problem like making friends or anything like that. Uh, I think most of what I was searching for was, you know, my own sense of, of, of self-confidence and self-worth and, and trying to find a place in one of the cultures that I felt that, you know, I should be designated to, you know, being um, either black or white or, or what have you. So for me, it was just really trying to understand me and like where I fit in and all this. And um, I think that a lot of like where I grew up has a lot to do with why I, I see things the way I do, why I feel the way I do about 
you know, societal issues or um, even emotional issues. And I think it's a place where, you know, Inglewood, California is a place where you can, you can find a sense of community 100%. Absolutely. And I, I'm so thankful for that. And I appreciate that uh, for where I'm from, but also, you know, it's also a place where we feel under, underserved and underrepresented and, and we feel disenfranchised. We feel like we're this sort of like outside, we're an outlier within one of the largest, most affluent cities in the country. I'm sorry, excuse me, in the world. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of questions that you ask yourself being from where I'm from. And then there's also a lot of questions that I, I ask myself being who I am, you know, having, having uh, mixed race parents and, and trying to find a place like an identity. You know, everybody, especially as a youth, you want to belong. You want to have people that are like you or at least can like, represent where you're from in that way. So if, if there was any, any sort of struggle I, I experienced early on, it was just, um, you know, by way of, of social disparity, um, you know, cause of my demographic and then seeing being exposed to another demographic and obviously my own, uh, you know, sort of personal identity. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, that just seems like a rough area to grow up in general, but when you're when you're struggling with a personal conflict of of finding who you are and and you know also dealing with the outside society, I mean it's it, it sounds like a just a, a a challenge. I mean a big challenge. I mean what was home life like for you? Yeah. What were your parents like? They were hard working, man. Like my my mom went back to school and she was still working. My dad was um, you know he was doing music, but he was also working like fucking everything from like working on the Frito-Lay truck, delivering like chips and cookies to he became an accountant and he was still doing his music. Um, my father was kind of in and out of jail as I was growing up mm -hmm. uh, for reasons that, you know, I think that a lot of it has to do with the struggle, you know, with a lot of it has to do with trying to make, make ends meet in, in, in a, you know, in a system that doesn't really lend itself to, uh, again, like I said, our demographic or our, our people in that way. Yeah. And that is just by way of policy, really. And that's something that I've observed again and, and studied and, uh, you know, and, and it has, it's been proven statistically. This isn't conjecture. It's not bias. It's, it's not my opinion. Like, this is all just, these are just facts and these are things that I've um, come to learn. So while understanding all of that in my childhood, they were really just trying hard to, to do the best they could uh, for our family, uh, even if there were some missteps that were made and, you know, my father being, like I said, um, you know, in and out of jail and, and my mother having to work and go to school and be a mother, sometimes a solo mom with myself and my, my, my little sister. And we weren't always the easiest kids, you know what I'm saying? So, um, I look back at it. I look back at my childhood and I actually have a, a, a very large respect for my, my mother and father for trying really hard in, in a very, you know, uh, not a very ideal situation. Um, especially being a father myself now, I see it very differently. Yeah. How, how, how old were you when your father was, was it kind of like a brief time where he was in jail, or was it kind of consistently over your childhood? Uh, yeah. I mean, he was like, yeah, when I was like really young, when I was about like, I think like six to eight and then, when I was at the end of middle school and then when I was in high school. So, um, okay. yeah, and he would spend, you know, anywhere from like a few months to, you know, sometimes like a year or two and a couple of years, few years. Yeah. It was just kind of like, it just, the aggregate of time, it was out during sort of my, 
you know, I guess my like social cognizance and the development of my, my awareness of, of society and, and, you know, kind of how, how, how things work kind of were shaped by my, my father's experience, you know, and seeing him be taken from us, um, quite frequently growing up. Yeah. That's what, that's why I wanted to ask because it, I mean, that's definitely at a time where it would definitely affect you. Um, you know, especially, you know, in those, those, uh, formative years, you know, and, and uh, I mean, I couldn't imagine going through that kind of, kind of struggle. I mean, I've, I never had that issue, but I mean, to go through that and then have to be dealing with adolescence and school and everything else, I mean, it just, just sounds, you know, rough. I mean, absolutely. And, when did you start getting into music? Was it young because of your father? Did he get you introduced to music or did you find it in a different way where it really started to touch you? Yeah, my, my dad is absolutely the reason he was kind of, he, he was an artist himself. So, uh, because of his experience and he, he kind of got, um, taken advantage of and exploited as a, as a young brother in the, in the industry early on. So we, uh, you know, I think a lot of our, our, our woe, uh, financially was because my dad signed some pretty bad deals back in the day. And, you know, when me and my sister came around, we, we really didn't have much money because all his money was taken from him on the, uh, on the back end. So, um, because, because of that, my parents really tried to focus and, uh, put a, put a strong focus on, uh, you know, education and also for sports for me so that I could do well in school. And so that I could get a scholarship so I could go to college. Like that was a really, really big focus. And they kept music away from me. Um, they didn't want me to play music. They wanted me to, you know, I could listen to obviously. Obviously, it was, it was, you know, our house was shrouded and 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 like drenched in music all the time between my mother and father. But um, actually, playing music, they tried to keep me away from until I was about eleven, and they bought me a guitar. And and from that moment, it was like, I, I, I the moment I even before I had the guitar, I knew that I wanted to to play music. I wanted to perform. I wanted to express myself because I thought that. My example for my father and all of his friends uh, was that, you know, you get to be someone in that moment on stage. You get to be someone that you don't necessarily uh, get to be in, in your normal life or in society. And I thought that that's, that sort of liberation was so attractive to me and so appealing. So I, uh, you know, I, I just, my example was, was my father, really. And then as I got older, I got different types of music. For my brother, I got, I got like hip-hop and gangster rap for my brother. I got punk rock and skateboarding when I was like 10. So I've, and I really, I always, always, always lean towards subversive music, you know, whether that be hip hop, gangster rap or punk rock. Like I was really very much into that. And of course I had a huge penchant for pop because of my mother. So, um, yeah, man, that, that's kind of how music came to me and how I, I first started investing myself in music. It was very early on because it was always around me and it was, it was an example for me. Sure, sure. And so did you end up, did you go to college? Yeah, so I, I got into a couple colleges and then I started touring. <laughs> you know, I, I really, I, the allure, like the allure of 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 touring and traveling the world and experience, like, and how much you could get out of music, or at least what I, you know, what I saw, what I, what I thought you could get out of music from just believing, you know what I'm saying? Like just putting everything you had into it and really, really, you know, diving head first and, and not looking back when it came to music, whether it was touring or just investing in art and just creating something that's different, that's challenging, that, that sparks something in people. Um, so because of that, you know, I, I got into a couple of colleges and, 
and I decided not to go because uh, right after high school, I had to start working a little bit more to help, you know, my family with my, you know, my sister was still young. She was still in high school. So I was working to kind of help out my family. And then uh, on top of that, I was doing the band. And so, you know, the, the, the worth of, of working for my family and, and making music was worth more to me at the time than, um, you know, paying all this money uh, for higher education that I didn't, when I didn't even really know what I wanted to do. So I ended up going to community college for like two semesters and then I left on tour and, and that was literally, that was it. After that, I just kept doing it. Never look back. <laughs> yeah. Man. I want, I want to go, I would love to go back to school really, but um, yeah, I'm just, I'm still, I'm still here touring and, and enjoying it and getting, getting to find my, my sense of purpose in that way too is very cool. Sure. I absolutely 100% agree. And I know from where you're coming from, myself doing, you know, touring for almost 12 years, like we left, I didn't go to college. I left and, and left Alaska, moved down, went on tour, got signed to Fearless, uh, went, you know, round and round and round eating you know three dollars a day budget for food like but you fucking love yeah. what you're doing like you would make some fucked up concoction at mcdonald's look like a steak dinner just to keep going and to keep playing those shows and and i mean it gets inside you and i think everyone should have the chance to go out and find what they're made of hit the road and do something whether it's music or anything i mean you're yeah. kind of in a cool situation because you were saying earlier how you were kind of forced to grow up at an early age uh, and maybe not experience as much of that, you know, child childhood wonder and curiosity and everything else to kind of explore yourself. And you just now made it pretty much into a career where you don't really have to grow up. You know what I mean? Where it's kind of, mm, you can just, yeah, yeah. you can experience your childhoods the rest of your life if you keep doing this because it's you i mean of course there's the business side you you assign yourself a solid team of people to look out for your money look out for your best interests and you can go out there and fucking kill it and just have a blast you know what i mean like it's something it's one of the most lucky jobs in the world to do this because you can literally just be who you, you know you normally couldn't be you know you can just you'd have to you know of course, there's a schedule and everything else. Uh, you know, you may not see as much of what you want to see, but every night you're getting up there and just completely bearing your soul to the world. I, it's the coolest fucking yeah. thing ever. I mean, do you feel the same way about yeah. it? Like, yeah, I feel blessed, man. I feel I feel very privileged and, and very lucky um, every time that I that I, I, I when I look back at what I get to do for, as a career, it, it is almost surreal. Like it, you know, you you look at, when you when I was in the garage. Um, sneaking in my dad's garage, playing his instruments. And then when I was in the garage starting my first band, the first iteration of my, of my projects, I think back then, like, we never even really thought about this like that. You know, we, we just thought about getting to the next show or writing a song and cutting a demo and getting enough money from working our shitty job at the restaurant so that we could cut a demo. Like, you know, we always wanted more as you as you should but we never really I, it's crazy you just, i was talking about this yesterday with my buddy it was like we almost feel like we were never supposed to be here you know what i mean like it's almost like someone's gonna go okay it's been fun and then like usher us out of this dream you know and um i just feel really really lucky uh every every time that i set on step foot on stage or i get to go in the studio or i get to talk to somebody about um art and and and, and say that i'm a you know this is my career like it's it's such a 
such a privilege and I, and I'm always, I, you know, as long as I'm aware of that, then I will be able to continue on the way that I do. Yeah. That's what it's, it's going to keep you going. I was just going to ask like what, you know, through the hard times, what keeps you going through this kind of stuff? Like, you know, when you are having hard times, when you're having, you know, the struggles of the early days, you know, when, you know, show, you know, five shows in a row get canceled, you're eating from a can, you know, like you're still in a van, all that stuff. Like what, what was motivating you to get through those times? I mean, was it just knowing, I mean, you just know in your heart that you were going to do this or did you just have, you know, that drive naturally? I think, I think, I think it's a, a, a concoction of both. I think, you know, I definitely had that drive um, because where I'm from, you got to hustle. Like you got to hustle to, to get yours, you know what I'm saying? To, to get what you think you deserve or what you want. It's kind of inherent to where I'm from, but, but also just like, you have to believe that right? you have to believe that this shit is worth what the fuck, you know, all the effort and all the time that you're putting into it. You have to believe that it's worth it. Um, in order to feel a sense like a fuel to, to, to obtain the fuel that it takes to keep the fire going. You have to believe, you know what I'm saying? You yeah. you have to, and sometimes, sometimes you just, even if you're fucking, you're convincing yourself that, that it will work. Like whatever you have to do by any means necessary, you know, you gotta, you gotta believe. And, and so I think that that's kind of what I did. And, and, and it through some very, very difficult, tumultuous, like, wild times um i think that's what kept me going and I'm, I'm very i'm very happy that i was able to maintain that mindset and, and get here today yeah absolutely and that's i mean that's one thing that's that's massive that you can see there's there's a different a differentiation between someone and you can tell when you watch an artist someone who believes truly believes in what they're doing and someone who doesn't i mean you can absolutely tell and i feel like like what you're saying you believe in what you're doing you believe that it's going to work other people will do the same it's contagious you know and that's i think a big big part of success is believing in you know what you're doing to the fullest degree what's going on guys this is dewey from pure pleasure and i want to tell you about our newest sponsor DistroKid. DistroKid distributes your music across all online platforms they are an amazing company. I've enjoyed working with them the last few weeks, and they're going to be with us for a while, and I really, really appreciate that. I love working with great companies, and DistroKid is one of them. Uh, they have an awesome thing they're doing right now called Splits. Now, if you're working, as most people are, online, doing collaborations with people from all over the country, all over the world, as easy as that is with the internet, uh, you want to get those people paid when you put that music online, and splits can do that. You can add an unlimited amount of collaborators to any track. You can change the splits at any time. You can add or remove collaborators at any time. You can see previous splits, and all your collaborators are going to have to do is sign up for a DistroKid membership, a DistroKid account, so they can get paid. And as always, DistroKid never takes a cut. You and your collaborators get 100% of the earnings in total. A couple other awesome things that they do is they set up an official artist YouTube channel. Uh, you can use Spotify Canvas, synced lyrics, promo card to promote your release on social media, a mini video for your socials as well. There's just so many awesome things about using DistroKid. And like I said, I don't advertise things I don't use, haven't signed up for. I have signed up for this. It is a breeze, literally a breeze. And you can get going right away. So definitely check out DistroKid. And I want to give you 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. That is distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for Peer Pleasure Podcast. Once again, that is 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level.
distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP. Go check out DistroKid right now, distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for 30% off. Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers, all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind, uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little little taste of it, right down to the shaky microphone and all. <laughs> and my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick, and usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work, but we talk about decidedly not-so-grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics, um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love, want to love, or hate. Yeah, imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that, that uh, has impacted your life. Uh, and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week. So triangulate your speakers. Think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot, and listen to Axe for Grind podcast. Hey guys, this is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I wanted to tell you about Premium Pleasure, our premium subscription service that's available now. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. There's three tiers, tier one, tier two, and tier three. Tier one is $5 a month. It gets you the ad-free experience. Tier two gets you access to the Peer Pleasure Passcast. It gets you access to the videos of the interviews. It gets you merch discounts. Tier three is $20 a month. That gets you all of that. It gets you the past cast, gets you the video footage, discounts on merchandise, and monthly Zoom calls well, with myself and other guests. We're going to have all kinds of stuff in there for you. There's all kinds of stuff in there for you now. There is, uh, I believe, 30 to 40 videos of these interviews. There is uh, multiple episodes of the past cast. The past cast is a podcast that I'd started separately that is me and another podcaster or me and a guest. Uh, discussing a deep dive into their favorite episode of Peer Pleasure. Um, so there's a bunch of those on there. So so-and-so and I would talk about the Chino Moreno episode. So-and-so and I would talk about uh, the Yvette Young episodes. And we would do a deep dive and tell where they came from, how we got the guest, stories of uh, that weren't discussed on the podcast or maybe weren't in there. Um, it's just another glimpse behind the curtain. So that's the big deal with this premium service is giving you a glimpse behind the curtain of how the podcast is made, gives you access to things I'm doing and things that we're doing with the show, um, gives you, you know, ad free stuff. It gives you just all kinds of, of things that we could throw in there to help make it a valuable part of your month. Cause I put everything out there on this show. I put everything I have into this show. Um, so being able to give you guys that little bit of extra is a big deal to me and having your support is a big deal to me because if we don't support our artists and creatives, we're not going to have any left. So I appreciate it. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. Go sign up today and get some of this premium pleasure.
and that's something I've noticed. Yeah, you have to. Well, seeing you live, I mean, I mean, it's no secret. You're fucking insane live. And all I think when I watch these videos or see it live is this guy's having a fucking blast right now. Like, he's having the time of his life. Yeah, man. Like, fucking throwing drums through the air with microphones in it and fucking beating the shit out of yourself, jumping in a river, whatever else it is. It's I, I just laugh because I'm like, he's having the most fun ever. Like, I'm sure some people look at it like, this guy's insane. I'm like, no, this guy's having a blast. This guy is a kid oh. on stage, you know? Like, it's it's so pure, and it's contagious, you know? Um, I, wanted to, I, I wanted to walk through you know, some of uh, the Let Live days and, and things like that. But one thing that I really wanted to say with the fever is I really think it's a band that we need right now in America. Like, it's it's absolutely from the groove to the, the ferocity to the energy to the message. I think it's something that's so important. You know, you think back to, like, uh, when Rage Against the Machine was around – um, you know, and the impact they had and how you could watch a crowd just bounce like a blanket in unison, 20,000 people, you guys are doing the same thing. You guys have that same infectious groove. You've got the, the drive, you've got the message. I think it's really what America needs right now. And it's, and I, it's something that I've been really appreciating lately. Like, wow, this is refreshing. Like this makes me think this makes me, you know, uh, inspired. It's really cool, and so I really I appreciate, appreciate that. that. I mean, it's I, I really feel that's that's something we need right now. But um, thank you, man. I, I, that really means a lot to me. I, I, I mean, I would I would hope that you know I would hope that this is something that could provide that kind of feeling or that that you know that fill that void that that people may be feeling. Um, so I really appreciate you saying that. Sure, absolutely. I mean, and and I mean, is that what you're feeling when you're on stage and you're just going? I mean, caution to the wind. I mean, are you just having the time of your life. I mean, it, are you are you getting other things out? I mean, I think it's a collection. I think you know, it's a little bit of a little bit of both. You know, I, I have to I have to sort of indulge myself in order to enjoy, um, you know, and remind myself of of the the sense of enjoyment that that we're afforded when we when we perform but ultimately man it's just it is it's about that idea that it's something that i've been missing in music it's something that i've been missing in art and in societally uh which is which is what i'm trying to provide with this project so um i think because because i know i want to see it myself i always believe that you should demonstrate the things that you believe or demonstrate the things that you want to change or that you know that that, that you think should be present in the world, I think you have to demonstrate them first and foremost. So when I'm on stage, when I'm doing these things and, and I, I really believe that like, I'm trying to, to represent a sense of liberation, a sense of freedom and, and, and expression really. And, and as, as cliche as it may sound, and I, I truly, in my heart of hearts, I really mean that I'm just trying to really offer an exhibition of something that I believe, you know, that we should, we should feel free to do and that's express ourselves. That's I mean that's exactly what it is. It's 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 performance art. Like it's, you I mean I've seen you know crazy bands throughout my time. I mean I've seen I mean you watch like at the drive-in or uh, you know like just people like just complete craziness, chaos. With you it's different. Like it's something. It's it's more to me like like a performance like performance art with music behind it. Like it's more more like a. Uh, uh, it just looks like. It's just something to watch, and it gets you inspired. 
you know, it definitely inspires me and gets me pumped up, you know, just even watching it on video. I'm just I'm just smiling ear to ear because it's it's just great. Oh man, you that's know, like, amazing! It's it, I think there's that one video I don't remember what it was. I think you guys were playing like a small stage on Warp Tour or something or something like that where you like ran and jumped in the water and then came back, back the band kept. Oh playing, yeah, yeah. And then came back or you know uh, there's the one video too where it just came out recently. It was like a teaser, but where I was talking about where you put the mic in the drum and just fucking chucked it in the air as high as you could. And then at the very yeah, end, yeah. at the very end, like your jumpsuit's like half ripped off and you just look back and wink and smile. And then I was like, fuck yeah, that's oh, exactly yeah. what it is. Yeah, man. You know, the yeah, true face. Yeah, you, yeah, you got to, yeah, you just got to enjoy it. And you got to, you know, you got to understand that like the art, art is a vessel. Um, it's with, with where, where you go with that vessel, where you choose to steer it, you know, that's up to you. And I'm trying to you know, create a space where I can encourage a sense, a sort of messaging, but also create a space, like I said, of liberation and freedom and also just enjoyment, man. I want to enjoy what I'm doing. Sure. Absolutely. Who, who inspired you? Like who inspired you to do what you do now? As far as, I mean, was there someone specific that really um, changed what art was for you and, and how, you know, it kind of taught you how to express, was there someone that had like a direct link to that for you? Oh man, that's a great. I've never actually been asked that question. I, I honestly, man, I think it was like for me, it was more so just seeing culturally how art could affect culture. You know, within um, the communities that I was involved with, whether that be black community, um, punk rock, um, you know, skateboarding. Like there was these forms of art that really did affect culture in such a way that it shifted it and that it shaped it and that it, you know, created lingo and it created dance moves and it created. Um, a language that we all that we spoke to each other. I, I think that kind of observing art and, and the way that and its effects on culture. I think just as a whole was what really made me the most interested in it. Um, and again, it was a place where you could be something different than you know what what society sort of expected of you. Okay, okay, I could see that. And and so with with uh, when Let Live ended, um, what? How did you go about starting Fever? Um, I actually got a, I was in, so it was kind of, so I was, my wife got pregnant. I was still in Let Live, but Let Live was fairly inactive. Um, I needed to make sure that I could afford having a kid, like literally birthing this child is very expensive, as you know. Oh yeah. So, um, yeah, so I had to go get a job and I, I got a job with a family friend and I was basically selling these cookie accounts to like bougie grocery stores for these vegan gluten-free cookies. And I was at one of these stores and a young woman, a young lady came up to me and talked to me about Let Live. Um, she had seen us before and we had a little conversation and then she left. And then the next day I was there again. And then in walks Travis Barker, who was um, the godfather of that young lady I had spoke to the day before. And he, she had shown him videos of Let Live and, and me performing in Let Live. And he was interested and he came back and he told me he had watched them. He told me that, you know, we discussed having a mutual friend, which was John Feldman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said that we should do music together. Yeah, and he was saying that we should do music together. And, and I thought, yeah, it sounds amazing, Travis Barker. I'd love to do that. <laughs> um, didn't think, you know, didn't really know what to think of it, so I didn't put too much weight in it. And then a little, uh, like about a week later, I got a call from John saying that him and Travis wanted to get together. And then on Super Bowl Sunday, um, February, uh, so Super Bowl Sunday 2017, 
uh, the three of us got together and discussed what we wanted to see in music and what we wanted to hear and what we expected of art. And that's kind of the genesis of Fever 333. And the idea of that um, came from those beginnings and, and my relationship with John and, and then meeting Travis. And then through that, after having that big discussion and creating like a sort of a schematic idea of, the, of this vision, um, I gave Eric, uh, our drummer, and Steven a call and told them what it was, very transparent, told them what it was, what it wasn't going to be, and offered them a place in this whole this collective, and they accepted uh, very willingly, and they've added such an amazing piece to that puzzle. So, you know, that's kind of how it all came together. Man. what and, and so getting it off the ground, like, did it seem to catch fire pretty quick, or was it was it more of a struggle? I mean, I... I heard about it a while after after Let Live was over, I believe, um, when I when I finally saw stuff on it. I mean, was there a time there where it was, you know, hitting the ground running and trying to, to build and build and build, or did it grab attention right away? I mean, we just, like, it was just ideas that I'd had for so long, like our first demonstration being in a donut shop parking lot where I'm from, out of the back of a U-Haul, um, creating, like, this sort of platform for people to speak and just to, to sort of discuss the conversation of power and, and empowerment um, first and foremost or, or concurrently alongside the music. Like it was all about, like it was about creating a, a sense of, of culture, a culture and, a, and, and being, um, being uh, advocates of a movement that, the, that was already happening. Like people already want more from themselves and their communities. You know, they already want that. And we've seen that we see it time and time again, the discontent, the polarizing politics, like, all of these, these things that we see right now as a people that are becoming more and more strenuous, strenuous, strenuous on us um, and our, and our, really our survival, um, we wanted to create a soundtrack to that. So we, we created um, sort of, you know, this messaging that offered advocacy for a movement that was already began with the people. And we just uh, kind of ran with that and then I felt like very quickly people caught on because I think again not because of us necessarily but more so because of what people want and we were just trying to represent what people want because we wanted ourselves so I think that it you know it happened a lot quicker than I expected but um but at the same time if I believe in people's power and and believe in what and how fervent you know the fervor for for change that people have considering that it I guess it does make sense Absolutely. I remember, I mean, it definitely invokes a reaction too. I mean, I remember it's kind of funny to think about, but when I first heard we're coming in, I uh, was in my car and I was driving home from work and I had the windows down and I put it on and I, in Portland, Oregon, you know, I could, I could sense the message right away, of course. But once it kicked in with the chorus, I had that like office space moment where the dude's listening to, uh, I think it's Scarface or something. Uh, in traffic yeah, and he yeah, turns yeah. the radio down as the guy walks by and then turns it back up again i had that immediate feeling yeah, as yeah, i'm driving yeah. through like a nice part of portland i had this feeling like i should not be listening to this right now i'm not worthy of this because i wasn't <laughs> in a struggle you know like I, it almost felt not dirty and then i fucking cranked it and i was like dude this is badass it was so funny yeah I, man but that's what that's but that's what it's about, man. It's about really feeling empowered, man. That's really what it is because no matter what, no matter who you are, no matter where you are, for the most part, you know, the idea of power is politicized. And because of that, it finds itself in a very, very fractional part of our society. It only serves a very few, um, you know, a very a small percentage of, of, of our society. So the idea of power is what we're trying to encourage and, and really recognizing one's own power 
and, and making a change that they want to see personally or they want to see in the community or they want to see globally, whatever that may be. But at the very, very, very nexus of all of this, it's an idea of, of power. So I'm glad that you, you felt that when you, when you heard that song. Oh, yeah. It gave me – so I grew up with, uh, like I mentioned, like Rage Against the Machine. Like I grew up in Alaska. We had Rage Against the Machine, Pantera, like certain bands that really like lit a fire under us. And I got that same yeah. bounce and feel that I have not felt since hearing that first Rage record where I was like, this is like, why am I, why is my head moving like this? Like I couldn't control myself. Right. I had that same feeling. And that's why I was saying earlier, we need that so badly. You know, we need that. And that's, that's exactly what it's doing is it's going to unite people. It's going to, it's going to bring people together. And like you're saying, show the power of one, you know, like everyone has their, their, yeah. their own thing to add. Um, to the community, to the community aspect. And I love how you call them demonstrations, like the our first demonstration, you know, like it was a, it, it that connotation right there, you know, sets it apart from, you know, a, a, a band performance or, or a concert, you know, like it's, it bring it, when you say demonstration, it ties everyone in front of you into what's on stage. And I, I love that. Thank you, Bob. Appreciate that. And, Thank uh, you. Appreciate that. So, now the band the band is doing great. It, I mean, I'm seeing it everywhere. Um, you got a new record coming out, but you you how old your how old your your kid? He's uh, one year and four months, six, so he's 16 months old uh, right now, and he's actually on the other side of this door, like screaming at me because he saw me. I got out <laughs> my car and he wants wants me to come to him. But yeah, yeah, he's he's uh, yeah, 16 months, and he's just like the most beautiful example of humanity. Um, I could ever imagine. I'm just so grateful for him, and I'm so grateful for my my wife being so strong, and my and, and showing me a sense of womanhood as well as personhood that is just uh, it's just so extraordinary. And I'm just very I feel very lucky at the moment to have them in my life and have the way that I do while I'm doing what I do. It really does inform the way that I approach my art and, and my career, really, and my activism. Sure, and you do. You, I mean, you you uh, advocate for women. You know, being a gentleman, being being a man, you know, being uh, you talk about the women in your life, um, which is something that's also really inspiring, especially right now in the times we're going through and the 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 sea change that we're going through in culture right now with with, uh, you know, gender and and uh, inequality and all that stuff. Um, that's something that's also really refreshing to see and, and uh, you know, inspiring. But what I was what I wanted to get at there is is now you have a child. You're a touring musician. The schedule's crazy. You're out and about all the time. How has has having a, a a child changed your view on what you're doing now as a career? I mean, does it inspire you to work harder? Does it make you want to slow down as far as you know schedule wise, being home more? I mean, how how are you dealing with that? Because you kind of had with you, your father was kind of in and out for other reasons, but also with music. Um, does that carry over into how you're, you're parenting with, with your son? Yeah, absolutely. 100% it does. I mean, I can't help but think about how I used to feel, you know, if my dad wasn't around or if I was alone at home, you know, I can't, I can't help but feel like that. And what it does is it makes me, it makes, it makes my sense of indecisiveness, uh, it almost eradicates it because every decision I have to make now, it has to come back and benefit my son and my wife. Like, that's it. Like, that's the only question, really. And because of that, if it does that, then in turn, it should uh, benefit others, too. You know, I need to make sure that I'm doing things for not myself anymore and making sure that every decision I make is a, a, a very thought-out one 
and a very effective one. And so it makes me want to work harder so that later on I can have time. I can have more time. I can do more. I have more control over my schedule. I have more control over my scenario so that I can have my son with me, that I can have my wife out more. Um, because, you know, if I'm being honest, it's, it's the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life is leave my family behind. Um, and, and I'm still trying to figure out how to, like, deal with that the best way I can. But, uh, yeah, it's, it, it, of course, like, there has to be a worth in it, right? And I believe that this is so important for so many reasons. And, I, and, and my, my, my wife does, too, and, and I hope my son does when he can understand it. But, you know, I just want to make sure that the decisions I make are not just for myself. Sure. And I, I think he's going to understand that when he sees how many people you're inspiring and what you're doing. I mean, uh, it's, I mean, it's, it's got to start somewhere. And if you're taking that and running with it, I mean, he's going to catch on to that and see it and hopefully it inspires him to do the same. So, you know, um, yeah, I, I, I really, I really respect what you're doing and I'm, I'm really, uh, I'm really excited to see what's next. And, and, uh, Let's talk about the new record real quick so I can get you off of here and, and home because I, I, I know the feeling when you pull in and uh, your kids want to see you. You know I don't want to keep you much longer, but um, let's talk about the new record real quick and uh, strength in numbers, correct? Uh, yes, sir. That's correct. I'm just so you know, I'm in my house right now with my kids and he's going to be yelling and stuff. Okay. okay. I'm, I'm still here. <laughs> Come here, baby. There you go. Hi. Um, yeah, so yeah, strength, strength and numbers is out. Uh, tom- well, I guess it's out in like other countries right now, but uh, it's out tomorrow in, in America. Excellent, excellent. And uh, yeah, I just, I, I'm just, I'm just absolutely grateful for for what you're doing, and grateful for you for coming on the show too. You know, I don't, uh, um, I, I don't uh, have much more because I, I, I mean, I want to let you get home and play and uh and do your thing but i just appreciate you coming on the show man i really do and and uh sharing your story and some inspiration for for my listenership as well of course brother i really appreciate you like i said i appreciate you giving me the time to speak on these things and i appreciate you understanding the way you do and i just you know i think that we all need um we need to have these conversations you know what I'm saying? we need to share these experiences these thoughts so just thank you for allowing me to be here with you tonight. Hey, man, you're very welcome. You're very welcome. And uh, hopefully I'll see you down the road uh, at a show here in Portland. That would be amazing, bro. Let's let's uh, let's get like some cool artisan artisanal coffee or something. I'm sure they got a lot of that over there. Oh, hell so. yeah, man. Hell yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'll be in touch. I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. Thank you, brother. All right. Bye-bye. All right, bye. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Jason Butler from the Fever 333. Um, You guys may know him also from Let Live. Before that, we talked about it a bit on the episode. Um, But, guys, I really hope you enjoyed this one. It was really inspiring for me to chat with him and get his insight on some things and kind of get his story. He he came up in a rough time. He's been through a lot of shit and uh, is really doing something with it and inspiring people. And if you guys go right now and pull up any video of them live – and just watch the passion this band has. I mean, you're going to see why they are where they are. They just wrapped a tour with Thrice and Bring Me the Horizon. They're doing all kinds of uh, world travel coming up. And, I mean, just what a fantastic band. So go check out the Fever 333. The new record is Strength in Numbers. Big shout-out to Johnny and Ross for setting this up and getting this together. I know it was a couple tries, but we made it happen, and uh, I'm really happy with the output. So... Uh, hopefully you guys write me and and let me know what you think of the episode uh check out the band 
shoot Jason an email, let him know what you thought of the episode. Um, if you're into the music, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a good thing. So, um, I'm not going to keep you guys much longer. Uh, purepleasurepodcast.com is the website for everything. Uh, check out the new, uh, web store with shirts, hats, stickers, put those stickers up everywhere you can take a picture, comment, uh, tag us in it. We've been seeing them all over the world. It's been really awesome to see. And, uh, you know things are taking notice and people are listening to the show as we know every week the numbers get bigger and you know just big big thank you to guys coming back week after week so like i said we got good stuff coming out next week and the week after and the week after uh, a lot of episodes in the can and a lot we're working on now and i just really appreciate having you guys with us it means a lot it's the reason i do the show you know it keeps me creative keeps me in touch but it also, you know, when I get emails saying that something inspired somebody or, or changed somebody's view on something, it really means a lot. So, um, man, thank you so much, guys. And uh, as always, we'll see you on the radio. radio stations in America. Profiles, The Wrath of the Buzzard, P-R-O-H Files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts.